0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 386. Last week, Royal Caribbean said goodbye to two cruise ships when they announced that Majesty of the Seas and Empress of the Seas were being sold. While the news may not come as a complete shock to many, nonetheless, it's still sad to have to let go of two classic cruise ships that served Royal Caribbean so well for so long. To help me properly remember the role these ships played over the years, I reached out to Royal Caribbean. And we have two gentlemen on the podcast this week that have over 30 years experience each with the cruise line as we look back on the legacies of Empress and Majesty. Here we go. Cruise fans love to book new itineraries, debate which restaurant's their favorite, and recall memorable trips. And as fun as cruising is, we are sometimes reminded that... As fun as it all is, it is indeed a business after all. Just recently, we were reminded of that fact when Royal Caribbean announced it has sold two of its cruise ships, Majesty of the Seas and Empress of the Seas. And these are classic cruise ships that have established a legacy. Other ships that have come after them are still held to. And as we say goodbye to Majesty and Empress, I wanted to reflect on what makes each of these ships special. And so I reached out to Royal Caribbean to help me commemorate these ships properly. We have two amazing guests for you on the podcast today. Uh, We're going to start off with uh, a man who probably doesn't need much of an introduction because I'm sure many of our listeners have probably seen him in action, and that is Ken Rush, the Director of Entertainment and Activities and Media Operations. Ken has been working at Royal Caribbean for over 30 years and has been Cruise Director on a number of Royal Caribbean ships. Ken, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Matt. Great to be here. Thank you. And uh, my other guest is Raymond Scheider, who's the Vice President of Hotel Operations for Royal Caribbean, and he's worked on many different ships, even as a hotel director, for over 25 years. Welcome to the podcast,
1: Raymond. Well, thanks. It's uh, a pleasure being on.
0: Absolutely. You know
2: what, Matt? Before we even start, I have to give props where props is due. Uh, Raymond, it'll be actually 36 years this uh, in about a month for me uh, with Royal Caribbean. But <laughs> Raymond even beats me by, I think, is it two or four years, Raymond? <laughs>
1: Uh, what do I do? Let me see. I started in 83, so that would make next year 38 years or something like yeah, that. So, you so yes, me by, I by yeah. you, but barely, barely can. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but look at that. Look at that, Matt. The 38 years and 36 years, you're talking about 74 years with Royal Caribbean. You put us together.
0: That's incredible. And it's a testament, really, to everything that goes on in the company and the legacy. And that's, I think, an important word we're going to talk to a lot about today, legacy. Because when you talk about ships like Empress and Majesty, And your collective wisdom and experience, you know, it all comes together, in my opinion, um, the way that it works. It's not a coincidence that these ships are just rolled off the assembly line, so to speak, and then they just kind of do their own thing and they go into autopilot and that's it. It's a lot of hard work. And, um, you know, as soon as the news broke that Royal Caribbean was going to sell Majesty and Empress, there was an avalanche of emotions that started pouring in on social media. Raymond, when you think of either Empress or Majesty, what immediately comes to your mind?
1: Well, um, let me start with Empress, because she was uh, built in uh, the late 80s and she joined us uh, uh, in 1990, if I recall correctly. And she was actually a byproduct of the merger of Royal Caribbean and Admiral at the time, because we, uh, you know, that's where the initial uh, ship design probably resided Uh and um, then when she hit the market, she was it. She was a three and four day short product out of Miami. And everybody who's who, everybody was on there. I remember vividly that Gloria Estefan, the, who was the godmother and her husband, Emilio, and their children, they were on probably, you know, almost, you know, three, four times a year. And, they, you know, they also put Coco Key on the map, which is our perfect day uh, island now. And uh, it was just such a vibrant, such a party, such an uh, uh, exciting time to, uh, you know, for cruising in general. But, uh, you know, there was a ship which a uh, new design, really done for the short market, and it hit it out of the ballpark. So it, it's, it's uh, that's the first memory that comes to mind, talking about Empress. Ken,
0: okay, what about you? What comes to mind immediately when we say Majesty of the Seas or Empress of the Seas?
2: Well... I'm going to I'm going to agree with Raymond it was it was an exciting time when uh, Nordic Empress came out uh, just because it was a new kind of a new class a new different style and I uh, I love that ship there were just so many things that I enjoyed about it it's it, uh, throughout the years even when she left us and then we brought her back and and did the revitalization it's always had that feeling and as a crew member on board Raymond you remember this I think the saying was we, we might be the smallest ship, but we've got the biggest heart wasn't that the saying Raymond it really that was
1: yeah that was was the saying for a while and uh, uh, you know while we are at Empress um I joined Empress first in ninety one and I was a uh, restaurant manager then and then I got back on in ninety seven as hotel director but what my my memory points on on because that ship really has trouble i mean she has done so many firsts, you wouldn't believe it we were up in Port Canaveral in, uh, I think it was 97, did three- and four-day cruises. Then we relocated to San Juan and did three- and four-day cruises down to St. Thomas and Martin. Um, and then, I mean, suddenly we were up in New York, and we did New York Bermuda, seven days. And this ship was just just uh, small enough to get us into St. George's. And anybody who's familiar with uh, Bermuda, they, you know, every. The main city. I mean it's fine because you know that's where all the ships are but St George's that's this really nice very small harbor and you get in and the entrance it's literally you can touch either side the rocks on either side when the ship goes in and you're in a very different part of of Bermuda and we stayed there overnight and then the next couple of of nights we were over in in Hamilton and it was absolutely gorgeous um, gorgeous itineraries. In fact, I booked that cruise uh, early this year. I booked the cruise for my wife and myself from New York with the Empress going down to Bermuda. And, you know, fortune, unfortunately, pandemic got in the way. But uh, we were going to do this uh, sort of a trip down the memory lane.
2: Well, and also, too, uh, Raymond, as, as a lot of people were excited for, uh, because you mentioned, it, because it's a smaller ship, we were on our way to start doing some cruises into some Canadian ports that we've never been to. So that would have been exciting uh, to be able to do that. uh, But unfortunately, because of the pandemic, that didn't happen. But again, a great ship, loved a lot of stuff about it. I'm sure we're going to talk about it in a little while, a little bit more. But Majesty, you know, the whole Sovereign class, the Sovereign Monarch and Majesty, Uh, I love those ships because there were so many different lounges for our guests, so many different uh, spaces, you know, to to see the growth. Raymond and I were on Song of Norway at the very beginning. So, you know, to see it moving from Song of Norway, Nordic Prince, Sun Viking, Song of America, we thought was incredible. But when they Mm -hmm. built the Sovereign Class and these three sisters, the Majesty. Uh, I have a lot of fond memories about it because I loved the layout. I loved uh, how it uh, gave our guests many options. And and Matt, I think you you said it too, where these ships really set the uh, it, it gave us ideas for our future for future ships. We learned a lot from those
1: ships. Absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead, Raymond. Yeah, yeah. Those were the first ships with the with the Centrum. Really, you know, so you had suddenly this open space over four decks. I think it went from deck three all the way up to deck seven or eight. And the champagne bar overlooking the centrum. So it had something unique and never seen before on there. And it was also the first time we had really massive stages on there. And, we, you know, the, I remember the production shows we suddenly had, you know, which brought a whole different uh, kind of um, entertainment experience to cruising. So, no, the Majesty, uh, you know, that class of ship and the Majesty is the l- last one of them, certainly uh, took cruising to a new level in the early 90s and uh, set up Royal Caribbean, uh, you know, showed what we all, are all about, about innovation and, and pushing the boundaries.
0: Absolutely. We,
2: we just, uh, I, I just was on the Majesty not too long ago uh, to celebrate uh, this first uh, cruise uh, into the new run out of New Orleans and uh, we did Mardi Gras on board and the guests were just over the moon about it. So it is a shame that it's gone because it, that was just even a, uh, a great run and a great time
1: for all of our guests. You know, there's one thing both ships have in common. What's that? Can, can I, I, that's actually a question for both of you. So there's one thing which only those two ships in our entire uh, group do have in common actually in, in, in our brand in the royal caribbean international brand so i i guess what do you guys think it is
2: I, I was i was gonna guess centrum because you mentioned the centrum a minute ago but now i'm racking my brain
1: well ken it doesn't go back that far 2017 in april we were on a trip to havana cuba
2: oh of course ah. we better talk about that yes raymond tell them
1: yeah because the Empress, we brought the Empress, Empress was with Pullman Tour for a few years, so we got her back specifically, and Michael Bailey was instrumental for that, but we saw the riding for Cuba on the wall, so we brought her back, and the infrastructure in Cuba, in Havana, is not that big, and the other ports, the Infoegos, uh and others are even smaller, but it allowed us to get our foot into the Cuban uh, cruising, and it was in April 2017 when we went over there, and... Uh, you know, for somebody who's sailed around Cuba since 1983 and always see the island on the horizon, suddenly to be able to get in there, I, I still get goosebumps just thinking about it. And, uh, yeah, for a while we had uh, Majesty and uh, Empress, both of them going in Cuba and actually That's being right. there side by side in Havana.
2: That's terrific.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's incredible. Um, I mean, there's the, the again the w- all the things that both of these ships have contributed to the cruise industry over the last the last couple of decades is incredible and like I think so many people I started off on newer ships than Majesty or Empress and having gone on Majesty after going on you know the newer ships I wanted is something that uh, I think um, uh, both of you guys reminded me of is the DNA of Royal Caribbean. You can see where it began on ships like Majesty and Empress, and you know, um, you know, the Sovereign class, as Ken alluded to. This was in 1992. This was the biggest ships in the world. These were the mega ships. They coined the term mega ships with Majesty, Sovereign, and Monarch of the Seas. And it's 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 kind of you know amusing to think of now, and especially in today's terms. But back then, these were groundbreaking ships that you know they have ushered in a new era. But it's still the same feel, if you will. Walking into a sovereign class ship, as it is a freedom class ship or a quantum class ship, There's so many. They're they're more common than not.
1: Yeah, their DNA makes them in a way timeless and uh, time time you know timeless, and that allows them to stay around with us for thirty years. You know, I mean, uh, in the past twenty years was you know an ancient life for a ship, but oh, yeah? this sh- all of our ships that's for the sovereign class. And now the Voyager class, and I'm sure in ten years we we'll probably talk about the Oasis class. But those ships have such good structure and layout and bone, and you know, really kudos to our executives and you know uh, who who have the vision to build ships with uh, an extremely long lifespan and who who can go through one or two uh, uh, cycles of revitalization and amplification and and have the room, have the flexibility to take them into the next decade uh, without losing a step. Um, and, you know, we've done that very successfully with uh, Majesty for a long time. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. The DNA is from amazing on the ships.
2: Well, you know, I would even want to say on the Empress, when we came back from the Empress uh, uh, and we, after that revitalization, I couldn't believe what Nick Weir accomplished that surprised me when i came in and i said oh my god we put in one of our new shows a brand new show on board empress that ended up being a model show for future as well on in that small little theater Mm -hmm. and boy i used to love working that theater because same thing with majesty i love the way it remember remember raymond it was a very once you're on stage and you know raymond i know you were on stage for our captain's parties and different things it just, it felt very comfortable. It felt very much at home. That's what I felt like I think uh, the, the Empress and Majesty is you feel at home.
1: Yeah, that, uh, that was definitely there. Uh, you know, talking about Empress, um, I have a picture uh, in my mom's place. And I, every time I go back there, I see it. And that's me and my wife standing on the bridge wing of Empress. Um, and it was the Nordic Empress in those days still. So, but anyway, we sailed out of New York and we just, we were downtown in Manhattan, so, not downtown, but we were Pier 88 or Pier uh, 90, wherever we were, right next to the intrapid. And we sailed out and I have, we have the World Trade Center in the back of us. So we are on the bridge ring taking the picture out from the bridge on the Empress, and behind us, this big, huge two towers. So, you know, looking back at that now, you know, it seems so long ago, but Hmm. at the same time, it was such a unique experience that you just uh, never want to forget it.
0: Absolutely. You know, Ken, something you brought up, and something I noticed immediately, you know, you go on a a ship, if you had gone on Empress or Majesty um, recently, you know, you always heard, well, these are smaller ships, right, compared to the rest of the fleet. But something I noticed was the absolutely enormous lounges on these ships. Majesty of the Seas, I mean, I just remember walking in the schooner bar, and I was like, I'm used to schooner bars on Voyager class, Freedom class, Oasis class. And they're they're decent-sized spaces, but, I mean, the, on Majesty, they extend from one side of the ship to the other side of the ship. Talk to us a little bit about the the performances and the entertainment in these lounges, because it's a totally different experience in there.
2: So, so yes. So, I mean, when we brought out the sovereign class uh, and, and introduced many more lounges because of the higher, that was the logic back then, right? The higher guest count, we're going to need more public spaces. We're going to need more entertainment in those public spaces, more activities, more everything. And I feel like the Oasis class is uh, something that probably spun off of that in a roundabout way because look how many lounges and spaces, for instance, are on the Oasis class, especially to give our guests so many options uh, but but now with the way that our company works and again, kudos to the new building department and how they how they make sure that there is still public spaces for our guests. But also that we want to make sure that we maximize getting our guests on board. We want to make sure that there's enough staterooms so that people can enjoy the space. So it's a very fine balance. But, uh, yeah, I couldn't believe even when I came back to the majesty for out of New Orleans recently, uh, I couldn't believe i just started remembering all those lounges and and i was telling the cruise director i want to make sure we're programming something in every place at all times to keep our guests busy and to give them a lot of options
0: yeah it's it's uh you know again there's so many things that make these ships unique and interesting i remember when empress came back to the fleet and the size of boleros and the open spaces on the back the the, the pool decks. I mean, these are such iconic areas. And, um, you know, uh, I, I guess the, the other question I wanted to ask you guys was, you know, Ken, you talk with guests a lot, right? And if you were to say majesty of the seas, if you were to say empress of the seas to a guest, what do you most commonly hear from guests about these ships?
2: I hear the they almost give the, give excuses for them, which is I think kind of funny. They're very protective. They might say, "Oh uh, yeah, okay, so maybe the Empress isn't one of the newest ships with all the bells and whistles, but I love it. It's got a wonderful feel. Again, the biggest heart, and the crew members are wonderful. I think our crew members are wonderful no matter what ship we're we're on. It doesn't matter the size. They're all terrific, and because that's the training that we we give all of our crew members. But, the, but their uh, guests are very proud of a majesty and an empress because uh, they say that they love it no matter what the size and they had so many great experiences. And I think a lot of the guests who love those ships especially were on it long time ago when they were brand new as well. So that's why that feels special to them.
1: Yeah, it's really the intimacy. You know, I mean, on a smaller ship, you get to see the same people again. Um, you build relationships and friendships so quickly, and you're involved in everything that's going on, you know, it's, uh, um, it, it has a different um, feel to it in a sense that, uh, you know, our ships always had a lot of energy and, and that what makes us unique as a brand, because we are a family brand, we, you know, there's always a lot of uh, excitement out there. And we, we are, you know, doing something for the younger cruisers. We're doing something for the party crowd. We're doing something for the people that want to take it a bit slower. But um, on those ships, you are close to everything that's going on. And I think that's what made them successful. So, yeah, no, it's... Uh, the other thing we shouldn't forget, uh, Majesty was probably one of the first ships which really went into full ship charters, you know, and suddenly we had, uh, full, you know, uh, customized experience. Uh, so, uh, so, for any kind of group or any kind of lifestyle or whatever it is. And, you know, they proved an amazing uh, platform to allow for this to happen. And, uh, you know, that, See, that, I, that didn't, I
2: never that even good. knew that, Raymond. The, the, they were <laughs> the first ones that kind of introduced the charter world, which is so important to, to us today, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. it's 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 funny. You mentioned that. And then you also mentioned the fact that I forgot about this as well. Raymond, that the Empress came in and introduced the three and four night markets. These are both things that we take for granted today. That's not even, a, you know, oh, yeah. of course they do that now. But the significance of that, I mean, talk a little bit about that, Raymond, about three and four night cruises, because now they're a dime a dozen, right? You can find them everywhere, and they're fantastic. We love them. <laughs> but back then, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, that really wasn't a thing, huh?
1: It wasn't. And um, you know, certainly not with a ship that could handle uh, what the three- and four-day crowd needed. Mm. Because on the weekend, people wanted to let loose, party, great time, you know, (laughs) get out there. And on the four-day cruise, it had a different dynamic. Uh, It switched a little bit into more of a, I wouldn't say corporate feel, but uh, because the younger people obviously had to work. um, So you had a bit slightly elevated, slightly higher uh, age group on there. But more importantly, you had a lot of corporate uh, elements on there, you know, groups, Uh, They, because from Monday through Friday, so they do their events. And those were the first ships where we had uh, designated event spaces, conference centers. Hmm. So, uh, you know, we could combine a very rewarding um, experience where groups and and companies could uh, spend quality time with their employees. They actually could bring their family members who have a quality time on board throughout the day. And then in the evening, everybody meets up. And at the same time, you travel to places. So that put uh, corporate travel uh, and and um, incentive groups, especially uh, very big, uh, on the map. And, you know, the Monday to Friday segment uh, really had a lot of that every single week.
0: It's, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it, that's it's so interesting to hear all these things and um, how the ships were designed, like you said, for the different markets. And can I know, speaking of that, when Empress came back and... She was being designed not only for Cuba, but also for, you know, these short Caribbean hops around here. How does how does planning entertainment for a ship in the 21st century compared to what it was like, you know, for compared to obviously what ship uh, entertainment was in the previous century? Because obviously a lot has changed from when Empress was first designed and came into the fleet versus when she was being reintroduced to Royal Caribbean uh, in uh, in 2016.
2: Yeah. So, you know, as I alluded to a little little while ago, uh, the first things uh, that I was really ha- excited about was how Nick and the team, uh, you know, really not only brought on a new show uh, that the Empress, for instance, hasn't seen in years, but even LED wall, the sound, the lights, everything that they put into that show. Now you've got uh, a brand new entertainment on an older ship and people were amazed that we were able to do that. You know, we we didn't have all the bells and whistles even after the revitalization, but we were we made sure we had all the as much as we possibly could. We added more entertainment, more bands, more you know, like you said with boleros becoming a bigger space. We had we had uh, more capabilities of of providing new activities and and new ways of doing things um, even on that older ship. So, so it was an exciting time because it was a challenge, but it really worked out well that people were really enjoying it
0: it's uh i mean it, it's it's a testament to the fact that you can take a ship that you know was obviously not out of the fleet had some issues that were going mechanical and otherwise and bring it back and it didn't miss a beat and um it, i i just uh it, it's it's really between and also don't not forget majesty also had her own um amplificate refurbishment uh revitalization there's the right word uh for for her as well that brought a number of new features and uh you know it, it's it's incredible how you can look at a ship that is 20, 30 years old and still be able to, you know, take what's there, keep the, the, the great part about it, but then still add on to it and enhance it a little bit more, plus it up a little bit. And yeah, uh, it, it's incredible.
1: Yeah, you know, Matt, the only the only thing, um, you know, it's very exciting to think back in those days. The only thing I see here right now, and I'm thinking to myself, damn, 30 years ago? You know, I'm just, <laughs> Ken, 30 years ago when I we
2: know. were there. <laughs> I know. And it's, it is amazing how we've seen it. But, you know, Raymond, you mentioned it earlier too. I feel like not only is it the way that they design the cruise ships, but it's the really strong work ethic that we as a company have, even on board. The fact that the, the reason why these ships stay as great as they are is because of the onboard maintenance, right? Raymond, maybe you can talk about that more. It's just like, it's amazing how we keep it so fresh all the time.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, I think it's known in the industry that Royal Caribbean, we look after our ships like nobody else. And I know the new owners got an incredible product and probably an incredible deal in these days. Uh, and, you know, they, to for us to get the ship, Especially, I remember Empress uh, in in 2017 when we took her back. Actually, we took her back in 16, and then we worked through a uh, few months into 17 just to uh, bring the ship to a level, you know, not just in front of the house, but in the back of the house, where we as Royal Caribbean uh, Cruise Lines or Royal Caribbean International would be proud of. So, um, yeah, and the other thing is we have. Besides you and me, there's quite a few other employees who have been there in the early days. Uh, I know Michael Bailey was on The Empress in the early days. Yeah. And I remember Richard, you know, because he joined, you know, he became the chairman of World Caribbean Group or World Caribbean Cruises then. So um, we've seen the ships and they've always been part of us. And I think that's where it really hits home because they've always been there. And, you know, yes, we had newer ships, yes, we had bigger ships, yes, we had more, you know, this, of them, more, that. But they always, we'd been there, and they always had a place. And, you know, the place was Cuba for a while. And now the place, you know, again, New York, Bermuda, St. George's was, was back in the itinerary. And it got me excited. And I'm sure a lot of our loyal cruisers were equally excited to see this kind of itineraries. and you know, there's a bit of a trade-off because, you know, with the larger uh, ships, you know, some of those things are a little bit uh, out of reach. But that's the great thing about Royal Caribbean Group because we have our other brands to have different uh, sizes to, uh, sizes of ships to operate with. So we can cover, we still cover it all as a group. But, you know, uh, obviously the, the piece of the business we are involved with, uh, you know, it's not uh, so easily accessible anymore.
0: You know... The, the thing that you guys were just talking about how the, the the importance of maintaining the ship that goes back to the crew members and I know both of you have talked about the crew on board and in when, when Royal Caribbean announced that these ships were being sold you know Michael Bailey took time specifically to talk about the crew and you know to, to remind everybody rest assured there is no need to worry about the extraordinary crew members they're still part of the, the Royal Caribbean family and they're gonna you know obviously go on other ships there. But let's talk about the crew because that is such an important part. And I think that goes back to what Ken was talking about earlier about how the, the role they play is more than just people who, you know, maybe serve you a drink or, um, you know, watch you as you go up the rock climbing wall. They are the people who make the vacation, you know, to the next level They take it to the next level and make it that much more interesting, more fun and more memorable for guests.
2: Well yeah. I mean do you, you start off Raymond? I I want you to talk about about the crew and and the crew movement I mean of course they're going to still have a job with us.
1: Yeah I know that's the good thing uh, with you know with with the way we are uh, you work for a cruise line uh, also you may be at the Empress when the Empress moves on but uh, you know you are integrated into another ship or assigned to another ship right away. So our crew members are our biggest asset. What what, what I always find fascinating is that, you know, crew members? You, you, if you're a crew member, you get sort of comfortable on a ship. And when I say comfortable, I mean it in the, not in, in that you're uh, slacking or something, but comfortable in a, in a way that you're very familiar with your surroundings. You become part of of, of um, the whole ambience. And you wouldn't believe how many of our guests go to a ship just because of the crew members that are on there.
2: Absolutely. And
1: Empress and Majesty had probably the highest reputation because we had crew members who stayed on there for years. They were, some of them were on there for decades and they didn't want to move. They didn't want to go to a new ship with brand new crew cabins and different amenities and, and more hype. They were so happy and content to be where they are. And they are, they were part of it. And with them, the guests wanted to be there because they knew that you know Roy or um, Angela or whoever was on the ship, and people would go there just to see them. To you know, because they they you know the moment they walk on the ship, they're with friends. They're recognized. So yes, um, that—that's our crew. They make those you know,
2: it's funny, Raymond. I always used to think—not always—I I still think this. Um, if there, if there was any way that we could make it work where we could guarantee a certain captain, a certain hotel director, a certain cruise director, a certain waiter, a certain whatever on board a ship at any particular time, I think guests would be booking because of those reasons. <laughs> and, uh, and unfortunately in today's world it's not as easy there's so many ships and so many different uh, things that happen that just as quickly as they might book it to go see somebody that person's schedule might change and and things might happen yeah, listen, yeah. Uh,
1: in the in the in the 80s and even into the 90s I, I was able to walk into our hr office in miami and talk to the scheduler directly and to the people now with you know uh close to fifty thousand employees in the brand obviously the um, whole uh, 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 philosophy and the whole uh, technology uh, supporting shipboard assignments has changed. Yeah, no, so um, you know, but um, it's true, and I think that what that what allows um, our not so young ships uh, to remain extremely popular and successful. It's because we can get them on really nice itineraries itch- and. You know, there there is so much familiarity uh, from the crew to the to the guests um, that it creates a really unique environment. And uh, you know, we are very fortunate to have our crew members um, who built the foundation for that. So yeah, it's uh, I,
2: yeah yeah. Not to sound too corny, I every time I go on board a ship, I am so happy. To see the crew members because I've worked with a lot of them. That just is saying something right there. The fact that they want to be with this company and stay with this company for years upon years upon years in all different positions because they love the company, but we also love the crew. That's the first thing Richard Fain always says. Richard is always talking about how important the crew is. And that just goes, that message gets to the crew. You know, our royal way uh saying is. Friendly, passionate, and committed—and that is not just some made-up thing. It is truly how they work, how they live, and they're—they're they're proud. I think the crew members are proud of our company. So it's—it's a—it's a great company to work for and a great group of people to work for, whether they be shoreside or shipboard.
0: It's—I mean, it's—it's it's incredible to hear these things, and I know our time is limited here, so I want to make sure we get uh, everything really quick. Can you guys give us a, a, a snippet here on Cuba? Because obviously, that was a major part of the the last hurrah for both of these ships going there. I went on a majesty on Cuba, but talk to us a little bit about uh, the roles they played in Cuba. I know um, Raymond, you talked about how incredible it was for you to finally be able to visit there after seeing the Island from afar for so long. Yeah, um,
1: it was, it was um, April 17th and uh, we worked on that program and I I was uh, very involved in that for Quite a few months leading up to it, and you know it was go/no go and all these wonderful things. And you know we—it's—it's it's, um, the infrastructure in Havana is very limited. You know they—they they have three piers, but one only one really can be used. And the inside of the pier, the Empress was barely small enough to be there. And uh, because, you know, there's other cruise lines, uh, cruise lines who are not tied into operating in the United States. They are far more frequently in and out of Havana. And, you know, they had a, a far uh, longer history than than we had. But the when you arrive in, in Cuba, you were right in the middle of Havana. You know, I mean, you cross the road and you can walk up and down all the way to the Capitol building and, and see whatever, you know, the famous sites are there. So and we were just uh, in 2019 uh, it was about 2 years that we were there and in 2019 we were uh, starting to expand our itineraries and go to other places than Havana and we did that probably for 3 months before the you know the, we had to leave unfortunately and uh, I think it's really a, it's just you know to me personal not personally but um it's a step back in time, in a sense, because, you know, the development is not what you see here in the States or many other tourist centers. Um, it's so unique. It's so different. And I think for somebody who from South Florida and uh, it was from South Florida and somebody who um, who wants to go and see places via a cruise ship. Um, you know, this is one of the last. Uh, outposts, one of the last sort of forbidden elements, and suddenly it was available. So I I found it extremely exciting, was very popular with our guests, strong bookings, you know, and who knows, maybe we get back there again in the future, Uh, I for one would like it, you know, and don't get caught up in any of the political (laughs) um, aspects of it. It's just simply history, uh, scenery, people, culinary, I just find it exciting.
2: You know, Raymond, that's actually, that's a perfect way of saying it because talk about history. I was so excited to go, like Raymond, you know, we go to all these different ports or we cruise around ports, but to actually be able to go into them. And I've been to so many wonderful ports. I've had such a wonderful life and seeing places all around the world. But Cuba was one of the things on my bucket list. And, And sure enough, when we went there and we went ashore, Raymond, but didn't it feel like we went back in time when we go there? The old cars the old, it was like scenes out of movies and TV shows. It was just unbelievable. It was so great.
1: Yeah, that's what that's what it's all about, and it's unique, you know. And this yep. this was one of the very few ways one could experience it, from you know going out of of Miami and uh, carrying. Uh, um, yeah, so let's anyway, but yep. Cuba, Cuba was a big part of our plans. So.
0: So in wrapping up, in in wrapping up here, I guess, if I were to, if if you could both go back on the ship one time to one place on majesty or empress, where would you be transported to? If you could be one venue, one lounge, one deck, what's the, what's the spot that will always kind of, it holds a little special place in your heart. I'll start with you, Ken. What's a, what's a place that kind of, again, on either ship that you would love to go back to just one more time? (laughs)
2: <laughs> That's a very good question. Um Empress, I would say I loved um I did love the centrum. I loved that area. Even though it was a small little centrum, I just loved that the uh, and I loved having listened to music in there. Um and I just loved that, I just thought it was a nice area. Um and then as far as majesty goes, um i i enjoyed the different lounges on board and i I can't pick which one but i enjoyed going for for different lounges and seeing the different musicians and activities that we offered i I love that that those options and that capability to go to different locations
0: raymond
1: well for me empress of the seas there's only one spot it's the pool bar it's the (laughs) There you two, go. the two center bar stools which are still there. It's the original layout. Because that's where I met my wife 23 years ago. Ah. And that would be, and that's actually why we want we were looking forward to be up there and have a drink, sitting at the bar. So we had that all planned out for June this year. So uh clear winner, uh <laughs> pulbar on the empress. On the majesty of the seas. Uh, I love the centrum. You know, it's it's um, from uh, once this uh, sovereign class really was introduced. The centrum was it. It's the hustle and bustle. You could see, you could be in one spot and you see four or five decks of activity happening. It was mesmerizing. So yeah, that's uh, take me back there anytime. Uh, I have quite a few pictures of both places. Uh, That's my memories. I definitely will keep.
0: It's fantastic. I love hearing them. these are great stories, and I really appreciate both of your time, gentlemen, to to share with us the the stories, the history, and the reflections on Empress and Majesty the Seas. They will d- certainly be missed. And um, while there's so many, so many other great ships in the fleet, like you guys said, there's just nothing like those other ships. So thank you both for for joining us here on the podcast today,
2: Matt. Thank you for inviting us, and also Matt, thank you for being so uh one of our biggest fans at royal we love reading what you do and hearing about what you do and and always supporting us at royal we really do
1: well thank you appreciate it yeah no same here and appreciate you letting us travel down the memory lane because uh you know once we all us old shipboard buddies get together we always talk about the good times and uh, plenty were to be had on those two ships so thanks and again thanks for Uh, Letting us uh, and keep you. Thank you for you (laughs) shining the spotlight one last time on those two ships. They more than deserve it. Thank you.